Uh, Re-episode 122. Please don't read this on air. Sincerely, this is only meant as constructive criticism. Here's some math for Perry. Perry, you spent one-seventh of this podcast attempting to explain something that couldn't be summarized, that could have been summarized as. Just compare the ratios between the focal lengths, and that'll show you the difference you'll realize in the frame. I absolutely love the podcast that you all work so hard, but holy shit, that 15 minutes was painful to sit through. I mean, sincerely, and I'm only trying to give constructive criticism, not be mean spirited. I challenge you, comma, no, comma, I beg you to listen for 15 minutes from the nine minute mark as your followers do. Then you'll truly understand what I'm writing. Someone had to say it, dot, 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 dot. But to each of you and your expertise and what you do for the Classic Lenses community. Oh, it's a, oh, thanks to each of you for your expertise and what you do for the Classic Lenses community. Best wishes to each of you and stay safe. Oh, Anon. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it's, it's, it's nice. It's nice that he spent the math to do, uh, to calculate that it was one seventh of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty good. The ratio, the ratio thing is cool though, because so if you were going to do a longer podcast, Perry, by say a third, how much more time would we spend on that conversation? Well, oh, well, well, Perry works that out. I think we better do the podcast. Uh, oh, we're not supposed to read this on air, right? <laughs> no, it says a none. Well, it's okay. Simon's not recording, so we're fine. Yeah, okay. Right, let's start. Right, yeah. Okay. From Hong Kong, Chicago, and the city of Stoke-on-Trent, this is the Classic Lenses Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 123. My name is Simon Forster and I'm forgotten the rest of my lines because uh, <laughs> <laughs> everything's gone completely wrong so um let's, uh, yeah, let's move swiftly back to that that email that we've had because what um, email yeah that one that we've just read out because uh, that's not the first cor- that's not the only correspondence in some shape or form about last week's podcast and uh, the trauma that we put people through uh, listening listening to uh, perry explaining the percentages of uh, of focal lengths and things like that. So, um, Perry, do you want to explain yourself a bit more? Wait, but, so, but, but please don't don't repeat what you said last week. I, I think the nerding out is part of the fun, and, and you know the the email that talks about ratios is actually helpful to solve one conundrum, which was you know a fifty percent decrease is also the same as a one hundred percent increase. So a ratio stops you from worrying about the direction that you're going with that, right? And then Cheyenne was sending all this, like, all this stuff that he Googled, and it made me realize that because <laughs> this stuff is curved, it's not going to be a perfect doubling when you double when you have the focal length. So this is good. I learned a lot from people's complaints afterwards. So thank you very much. <laughs> I, mean, those, I, th- I think you were, did you have complaints as well, Johnny? Uh, no, I, you know, we do the podcast. I, I strike it from my memory and I don't listen to it. And so it's just all lost to the sands of time, like the days of our lives. So no, I had, I had no, com- I thought it was, I, I thought it was kind of fun. I mean, I still think Perry's nuts, but I, I thought it was fun. Well, while, while Simon was asleep, you and I, Johnny ended up <laughs> like 
philosophical discussion about yeah, perception yeah. and percentages where you accuse me of being an android or something. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, right, right. <laughs> I was going to say, the thing is, dear, dear listeners, um, this this conversation continued in our, our joint chat as well um, and to the point where I just had to switch off for three days. <laughs> because they were they were sharing drawings with it with each other uh, interspersed with rangefinder talk and then back yeah. onto percentages it was it was murder so yeah uh, every every so often you'd see simon's name pop in <laughs> like like once every 35 minutes and then it would disappear again <laughs> you know are they still are they still on about yep uh, i'm out of here yeah. yeah yeah so there we go so uh thank you uh uh, for that, um, I do actually know who wrote that in, uh, but it wouldn't be fair to uh, uh, to have read his, read his name out there. But um, thank you uh, uh, for saying what I think many people uh, wanted to say after after hearing uh, um, fifteen minutes worth from the nine minute mark of last the last week's show. Um, so let's uh, let's continue in the vein of emails, because we have two more, don't we? So uh, should we do the other two emails, Johnny? Uh, yeah, we could, <laughs> we could, we could do that. Uh, let me just, uh, pull this up here. Think of, think of that extra 15 minutes as a gift for passing time in this era of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that makes sense, doesn't it? Although, right. although you know, we do have two camps of listeners, right? Those who just want us to like recommend lenses for them, and then the others that uh, say that they just enjoy hearing us banter. And I think this, more than anything else, has put like a clear split <laughs> between those two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, but the thing is, we, like maybe if we had had that whole conversation on a topic not photo related, but a similar type of conversation nobody would have minded you well see like just, just a pure math podcast <laughs> I, I, yeah i don't know maybe um or you know just if we had bs'd about something that wasn't related to photography that people might have felt strongly about maybe they wouldn't have cared who knows or we can intersperse it with simon's perspective discussion <laughs> that's that, that's true you see See, this this was the reason why, well, one of the reasons why I stayed rather quiet in, in that, that I, I started off talking and then I was thinking, oh no, this is just going to go horribly wrong. I'm just going to, I'm going to make it worse and I'm just going to shut up and just let these two guys <laughs> dig their own little holes for themselves. <laughs> uh, all right, well. So have you, have you found the, the emails? I, 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 I have it. Here we go. Uh, dear customer relations, I'm writing for the attention of your customer experience team. I'm definitely a customer, and believe me, you didn't fail in providing us with an experience. My wife and I booked a flight from Stansted on Thursday, 17th April, arriving evening to Bratislava. After two hours of fun, 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 stuck on the M25 doing 20 miles per hour, we arrived at Stansted, check in just one hour until the flight. Knowing the strict Ryanair policy on luggage check that closes 40 minutes before the flight. Wait, is this? this Wait, Johnny. This isn't our. I, I pulled the wrong email, sorry. <laughs> so you definitely did, yeah. I wonder what happened to this guy, though. Do we want to hear the rest? 
Isn't Stansted in the UK? Isn't that a London airport? Why the hell are you getting emails about that? I don't know. How did I? How did I get this? He had this whole interaction with the customer service guy, and <laughs> should, should, should be fine right now, dude. Yeah. Okay. All right. Wait. Hold on a second. Let me get back over to her. Uh, okay. F- um, from Gilbert Townsend. Uh, uh, subject Canon AX. So this contacts. is a Canon. Oh, contacts. Sorry, contacts. I, I, I yeah. I just kind of st- didn't read that the way it was. Hello, Perry, Johnny, and Simon. I feel like you should have a collective noun. Carl beams. He suggests. I I think Gilbert's been listening too much to the Sunday Sixteen podcast. <laughs> Maybe, but we, yeah. we, we we well we. It's not truly a connected collective noun because it's two words, isn't it? But um, well, actually, no, it's three. Uh, that's a gear acquisition monkey. So uh, yeah. Um, but there you go. That's as close as we've got to that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he says I've been slowly getting through your back catalog the past few months, and while I have a fair few cameras, mostly inherited, I realize with an S that they all pretty much have either lenses that came for them or are very much part of the respective systems. Nikon lenses for Nikons, Hasselblad for Hasselblad, etc. I wondered what you all thought I realized. I realized S with an S. This is probably mostly going to be for Simon. Uh, think about the contacts AX as a possible base for... I thought he listened to the podcast. <laughs> he's going through the back catalog so all right, he hasn't got, all right yeah. he hasn't gotten there yet okay okay yeah. all right yeah, the, 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 the episode where you went off to do your housework yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh think about the context ax as a possible base for trying out some weirder stuff <laughs> i'm thinking of different weird stuff right now but whatever um i know it can be uh, I know it can mount other lenses, and its ability to move the film plane seems like it might be worthwhile as something to adapt to, given uh, they seem to be relatively inexpensive now. Is the CY mount any good for that, and do people actually make reasonable adapters for it? Would I be better off buying a Pentax 6.7 like Perry for cat photos, or does Johnny think I should just buy a Leica and scratch my glasses uh, on the metal eye surround slash film winder hope you are well gilbert p.s uh the learning about classic lenses.co.uk under uh, site i wonder if perry has any suggestions about places to look for things in hong kong for those of us abroad so there we have it do you, do you want to do your bit first there uh, perry well on the cat photos <laughs> no, on the uh, the alter is there a, is there a Hong Kong version of usedlens.co.uk? Uh, yeah, so a, a couple. Actually, there's a couple of like quick things to address here before you go off on the contacts. Um, on on the Leica scratching glasses, you can get a really cheap plastic metal thing that just pushes onto the uh, eyepiece, and then it won't scratch your glasses. Um, and for the Pentax 6.7, if you want to do weird adaptations, it has a very long flange distance, so you might be better off with a uh, like a Mamiya 6.45, or yeah. even though the Bronica S2 has a long flange distance, the inner 57 millimeters we talked about with Nick Lyle um, it gives you quite a lot of space to play with. As for buying stuff in Hong Kong, uh, buying abroad, 
I know some of the shops here, a lot of them will ship abroad. It, most of them, in fact, will ship abroad. Um, Photopia, my favorite store locally, will definitely ship abroad. Uh, I know a few of our listeners, like Rob Jameson and Andy Shields, have purchased things from them. Uh, and, you know, in the case of Andy, he's in Detroit, and I think he ordered a finder and arrived like the next day from Hong Kong. Uh, <laughs> this was pre COVID. Of course, if you tell them that you are my friend, they will give you the Perry price possibly. Um, but other than that, in, in terms of like looking for listings, no, uh, a lot of the stuff that's there is very local. Um, especially the kind of peer to peer stuff. So if you are local to Hong Kong, you probably know about these already, but we have a website called DC fever, uh, and if you go on DC Fever's secondhand trading platform, that's pretty much where everyone posts their stuff for like the super photo nerds. And oh my my god, that place is amazing. Uh, and then other than that, we also have this app called Carousel, um, which is named after the Kodak Carousel, actually. Huh. Um, and that is a, just an app on your phone that lets you buy and sell stuff. I think there are equivalents to that in the U.S. Uh, but a lot of people use that too. So if you're in Hong Kong and you're looking for used lenses and stuff, those two platforms uh, are the ones that I use the most and you can just find amazing stuff on them. But other than that, um, you know, there are so many camera shops here that if you just find the ones with websites uh, and contact them, I would think that more, more, uh, the majority of them will probably ship overseas. Although not right now because our post office is closed because of coronavirus. That's that. I mean, we were talking earlier. You've got a, a set of. Well, is it? A, is it fair to call it a second spike at the moment? At the moment, third, third, third wave. Third, spike. third wave. Yeah, we had our first wave before you guys uh, when it first appeared in China and then made its way across the border. Um, we got that under control. Shut everything down with like thirteen cases, um, and then our second spike came when everyone was kind of like rushing back when uh, America and Europe started closing their borders to flights. Uh, and so there was a lot, a lot of imported cases, and now we were having our third wave, which is by far the worst. So we had 108 cases yesterday and 60, 68 today and 12 deaths. And so now everything is shutting down. Well, mm, not good. Not good. Man, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, fing fingers crossed um, Hong Kong can deal with it like they've done it done before, I think, um, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, well, uh, let's talk about uh, the Contax AX um, mm -hmm. and uh, the answer. Uh, you know, and how easy is it uh, to adapt to the lenses? Um, it's 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 a funny one um, because it, it, it just to let remind people, the Contax AX uses a um, it's a. I can never really come up with the right words to describe it, but the, the, the film plane moves and it moves forwards and backwards inside the camera. And this gives it an ability to autofocus, um, manual focus lenses that um, can be used on it, um, which is pretty awesome, really, I suppose. Um, and I've used it with uh, recently with uh, an M42 lens, um, a 58mm biotar, which is 8mm too long, um, as we've already discussed for, for, the, for the kind of photography in a, in a forest. Um, but it's good when you're not in the forest. Um, but the, the, for the big advantage for me uh, with using that, that camera 
is not necessarily about what the camera what the lenses i can adapt to it is just it just makes those lenses more flexible um in particular bringing down the um, minimum focus distance so you can turn them into sub macro lenses quite quite easily um, especially the wider you go then the, the closer you can get as well um, so it's like having an automated built-in um, extension ring um, but I, I must admit I was, give, I was giving some thought about adapting other lenses to it thinking well if it's got this focal, focal plane that moves in in and out um, and then I, I was thinking to myself well that means I might be able to use something with a, a say that would normally have a, a shorter flange distance than than the contacts has and then i realized that that probably i haven't tried it but i realized that probably won't work because there'll be a default position which will be the position where contact yashika lenses are and then mm -hmm. you can then move move it further back so in other words you'll be able to uh, adapt anything with a longer focal in theory i should say anything with a longer focal flange distance than uh, than contact yashika um, so that would include uh, M42, for instance, um, and you can can get, and I, that's what I've been using, just a a pretty cheap M42 adapter. I've heard some people, um, I think M, M was telling me once that uh, some some of those adapters can be a little bit flaky and they, and they can be a little bit difficult to get out. Um, I've had no problems of mine, um, and it was a cheap unbranded one. So um, some are good, I guess some are less good. Um, but... It's, but I've not actually seen any adapters for any other any other system mm -hmm. lenses. So, um, so for me, I've been. I mean, that doesn't mean that I've only used those, because it's it's possible for me to use my um, my Asahi um, 58 millimeter f 2.4 lens, the Heliar lens. Um, that will work on it because that's an M, that's an M37 with the same focal flange distance as M42. Uh, yeah. So just use a step up ring, and then the same will apply. Um, almost certainly for the Zenit M39 lenses, again, using yep. the step-up ring to M42. Um, so I've not tried it with other things. I did actually have a little play and, and gave up in the end of trying to adapt uh, Exacta because I wanted to see if I can get my Biotar, uh, 75mm Biotar, to, to work on the contacts. Um, and ultimately, I, I gave up because I, I was tr trying to 3D print uh, an adapter and it was an absolute nightmare. Uh, to to do that, and there was no guarantee that it would the the, the flange distance would work that well. Uh, although we didn't actually, in some respects, it wouldn't have mattered with that one because I would have been working it at no further than say portrait distance, say, and then probably actually doing a lot closer than that. So therefore, the uh, the focal flange distance wouldn't be an issue. Um, but it was just that there was just so little room to work with getting the the mount in into the. Uh, the mount of the lens into the uh, the camera mount. There's just there's just hardly any room to actually make anything that goes in between those two things. I mean, you can get uh, an M42 ring that you can adapt to a, to an exacter lens, uh, but the problem is they 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 flex, and if if they flex, if the the, adap the adapter ring flexes, then you can't screw it into an M42 camera or an M42 adapter. Um, so you can get part way in, but you can't get it fully in, and that's always a bit of a risk, whether or not you you dare to have a, an expensive lens that's only screwed on with a, a, a couple of parts of the thread. Um, so, oh, and one more thing, uh, the the contact Yashica mount the opening itself is not a particularly wide opening mount um, so so really 
I think that if you want to use, if you want to adapt lenses uh, to a film camera, a 35 millimeter film camera, I, th I think you'd struggle to do better than um, Canon. I mean, certainly uh, Canon FD and Konica have got shorter flange distances. So in theory, they are the most adaptable systems, um, but it's just very difficult to actually find adapters for them. Whereas Canon EOS, the EF mount, there's people have been making adapters for lots of different lenses for quite some time. So, uh, so yeah, I would, I would advise going to Canon if you, yeah. if you're going to adapt to a film camera. And, and Simon, your, um, so the M42 flange is 0 0.04 millimeters, uh, shorter than contacts Yashica, but with your moving, uh, AX, it can get infinity, right? When it, Oh, that's interesting. Well, in theory, it shouldn't, should it? Uh, right, but if it's moving, then if if it moves, yeah, but it's uh, more a, than yeah, but it's how far it's going to move, isn't it? I mean, I would have thought there'd be a default position where it right. can't. It's there's no point in it moving forward of its default position, if that if that makes sense. It'll, it'll move back from that point because what's it? If you've got a, a genuine, because this was designed to work with contacts and chica lenses, what mm. would be the point of pushing the 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 focal plane further forward what what would that actually give you because all that would do is just lose your infinity focus wouldn't it right uh well or, give that a go see if, you, yeah. see, see if you can get infinity because the the difference is so small um that if there is at least 0.04 millimeters of play in both directions uh then, then i don't know maybe it's possible mm. um but i agree the other the other thing to consider as simon said is uh adapter availability the thing that makes Contax Yashica difficult is there's no point other than M42 um, where you're not going to get infinity on most cameras. There's no point making an adapter for like any mount to Contax Yashica if it has a shorter flange distance. So if you are going to mess around, yeah, I agree. Um, Canon EF is the way to go unless you can find adapters that you want uh, for the mounts that you want for like Konica AR and um, Minolta. So I've just uh, I've just found my Contax AX, and I'm just trying to actually see now just how far I can actually focus away, just in case this, I'm, I'm completely wrong. So uh, let's just see. I've got to move away from the microphone to do this. All right. Well, the thing is so fat. <laughs> so what we see well, on our screen right now. Well, I can, out of focus. Yeah. Well, I can I can definitely get infinity. Uh, with this um, M42 lens. Now, I, what I can't tell is whether or not it could have actually gone further in or whether or not I'm getting infinity because of the, the thickness of the adapter that's in there or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, Wait, right. so when, when you're using that with a native lens, do you have to put the native lens on infinity? No, you can put it wherever you want to. Right, so if, if it's at infinity, the native lens, will the autofocus system move it slightly past infinity when it's trying to focus? Um, well, because if it, if it will, then that means in theory, you should be able to get infinity on lenses with a slightly shorter flange. Or an even better test would be to focus it slightly closer than, than infinity um, and see if it can get to infinity, by the way. No, it, 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 it seems to go, I can, I can bring you back from infinity a little bit, um, and then focus it to infinity, but it's not happy. 
Okay. So, so uh, it, it sort of brings it straight straight back again anyway. So, Wait, um, what, what, what do you mean by it's not happy? That's a very. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't stay there. Oh, okay. It, it bring it brings it back. Uh, so it's it'll rack back. But... Yeah, and it's a fraction. It's an absolute mm. fraction. So, uh, so no, it's um, there's 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 like a little bit of play in there if you like. There's a little bit of tolerance, but it's, it's tiny. It's not. It's not a useful distance. So no. <laughs> um, so yeah, get get a cannon um, if you want to do that. But uh, contacts AX are just super cool, um, and that's all there is to it. So, which uh, uh, which Canon EF mount camera has the best focusing screen for manual focus? Because I mean, I've tried a bunch, right? And and the the issue I've had is because they are uh, designed for autofocus lenses. The focusing screens are not always um, optimized for manual focus. Um, well, it's going to be this one, uh, which is the EFM, um, because this one does have a. Uh, in fact, it has no autofocus capability. Ah, so the M stands for manual. Exactly. Um, but this is one of the cameras I've I've struggled to actually make work when I've been adapting lenses to it, um, which is really really oh. frustrating because that was like the whole point of getting this camera to adapt uh, other things to it with its. It's got a split a split screen, um, manual focus screen. Um, oh, this is the one that you and Johnny were talking about, and I thought you were talking about the new mirrorless, uh, the mirrorless thingy. No, 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 no. That's the uh, that's the EOS M. This is an EFM. So, so yeah. wait, what's wrong with it? Why why won't it why won't it adapt? It's it's like the problem I was talking about the other week, where you you put an adapter onto it, and then it just it just either won't fire or it's uh, I can't remember specifically. Um, either won't fire or it um, it gives the impression that the mirror is locking up mm. um, and i've I've not investigated any further to find out what the, what the problem was um, because I was thinking well i can i've got a a manual focus screen in my eos one n and I can also use this or use them on my uh, my five d mark one if I want to as well so this I mean, this it's it's it. I like the idea in principle of this um, EFM, but uh, compared to those two cameras I just mentioned there, you know, I'd just rather use those two really. Mm. Cool. Okay. Um, shall we do our last email, Johnny? Yeah, last email. Um, hold on one second here. Uh, oh, it's from Nigel Cliff. Uh, subject, East German cameras and lenses in the USA. Uh, hi, guys. I was listening to the FPP, and they did a spot on East German cameras, but it didn't include any of the cameras and lenses that we in the UK are familiar with. The Practica, uh, LTL, MTL, and B ranges of cameras, plus all the associated lenses weren't mentioned. Uh, is it the case that due to the Cold War, these were not imported in the U.S. and and so are they now available only in the U.K. and Europe? One for Johnny, I assume. Nigel Cliff. Um, that that's my assessment. Yes, is that since the only the only time you pretty much see these cameras, it's very interesting, like practicas and things like that. Um, they were typically brought home by servicemen. Uh, who were in Vietnam, places like that, and could have buy that stuff outside the USA and brought back 
home with them. I, I once, it was a few years ago, I was in a, um, a, a used can, not a used can, a, a, just a resale shop that, you know, sold all sorts of stuff, not specifically cameras. And they had a Practica um, with, you know, it had a strap on it and looked really well worn. And it had a, um, one of those leather uh, 35 millimeter film can holders, the kind with the zipper on it. And then you'd stick your metal film can into that leather holder. And it said right there on the holder, it said uh, Cameron Bay, Vietnam. <laughs> so the, the camera had obviously been brought home by a serviceman. Um, and that's been my experience is that the way these things got here is they, they came, you know, via somebody who brought it home personally. Um, I, I, somebody may have been importing these things into the U S like if you look at the old, ads from some of the, um, I guess you'd call them low end New York city, uh, camera sellers, which were always known to be a little bit shady. They would sell stuff like that. Um, yeah, basically they were selling surplus stuff that they bought, you know, for pennies somewhere and they were hyping it up as being the great thing from East Germany. Uh, but yeah, typically that stuff was, you just don't see it in the U S cause of the cold war. Um, so it's, it's, it's actually stuff that's really common in the UK because I think you guys just had that stuff. Um, we just didn't have it over here. Uh, so it's actually things like that, that are probably super common in the UK are super uncommon in the U S. Yeah, they, they are, they're, they're really, really common over here. Yeah. It seems like everybody's starter camera was like a Zenit or a Practica or something. Yeah. So, which is definitely not the case in the U.S. Yes. So, yes, you, you can blame the Cold War. You surprised me then about when, because when you started talking about Vietnam there, I was thinking, oh, are you, are, are you misspeaking there? And I, I was thinking about, you know, servicemen um, stationed in Europe. But then you went on and, and you said there about, you know, that the a camera specifically came, came from Vietnam. Uh, yeah. That, that, that really surprised me there. Uh, Perry, do you, are you... Do you get many practicas and zenits over over in the, the Far East? Uh, I mean, they, they pop up and, and you can find them if you look, but the prevalence of Soviet stuff here is uh, significantly lower than what you guys have got um, in the UK for sure. I mean, the Vietnam connection, I would assume that, you know, there may have been some communist business going on between the two regimes before the war. So that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, and then being on the same continent as them, you know, the, the, the fact that they make their way to the UK also makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, but here, I think, uh, yeah, we really don't see a lot of Soviet stuff. Um, and, and if it is, it's like contacts RF mount stuff. Uh, I don't really know why, but it's, it's like, it's really hard for me to find the Soviet stuff that you guys talk about all the time that when, whenever you guys say, oh, this stuff is so common. No, man. You find a Leica here much easier than you'll find like a Zenit. Yeah. I mean, even, even the lenses like the, you know, the Helios 44, I think I've said this before in previous podcasts and stuff. I mean, you know, it, it, it gets the reputation that it's the most frequently encountered lens in the world and everybody should just go and pick one up. But you, I mean, they're really uncommon in the U S and at central camera, we would get a Helios 44, like three times a year in the shop. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're, they're not at all common, which is why I back when we had that conversation, my suggestion was if somebody's looking for a good, cheap starter budget 50, it's probably going to be 
you know, a Takamar, a 50, a 50 millimeter 1.8, because that's way more common because, you know, yeah. everybody had a Pentax. Yeah. Um, so it's, it is really all relative to geography and the geopolitics of the 1950s and 60s. Yeah, I mean, the, these days, obviously, it's driven by customer demand. Yeah, um, right. We get a lot of stuff from Japan, which makes sense because, you know, we were occupied by Japan uh, during the war. Um, whereas, I don't know, it, it maybe it's because Hong Kong under British rule, like we were a bunch of capitalist pigs and the communist, the communist stuff just didn't really make its way over. Yeah, I, I assume in the U.S. that there were probably... Uh, tariff laws or import law i mean there might have been straight up laws that you couldn't import that like businesses couldn't resell stuff from eastern europe as part of you know just literally part of the cold war of not supporting those economies so that's always been my assumption whereas in europe i'm sure that was no problem at all because they are you know are are our allies but not idiots completely even then. So I, I just, I just kind of assume it's down to um, American anti-communist, you know, bluster. So um, on, on a related, but different era, you know how after world war two, a lot of the Japanese stuff um, that made its way over to the U S was rebranded to be sold in that market. Yeah. Uh, was that a marketing thing or was there some kind of post-war fallout that didn't allow like, native Japanese brands to be sold in yeah. their original. No, no, I, I think it was, well, I mean, Nikon's a good example that, that Nikon didn't come up with the name Nikon. It was Aaron Rake. Well, somebody might correct me on this, but um, all I know is that when Nikon later in the sixties decided they were going to sell products more, I guess, directly, they tried to use the name Nikon in the U S they didn't literally own the name Nikon in the U S right. Bob Aaron the guy who had, with the original importer of all the Nikon RF stuff back in the fifties, who was really kind of responsible for it taking off. He actually owned the rights to the name Nikon. So they had to buy him out to be able to sell cameras as Nikon in the U S. So it, yeah, I mean, it was, I think it was a very much a Westernizing thing. It's like when I'd have Korean students at the college I worked at, you know, and, and they're Korean, they would, you know, have a, they would have a, an American name like Steven, right. <laughs> you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a pl- playing to uh, particularly probably American difficulties with putting 12 letters together and pronouncing something. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always struck me as interesting that so many of the Japanese products have, you know, the exact same thing in the yeah. US just under like, you know, the, 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 um, RE Super is like the Bezler Super D, right? Yeah, yeah. And you got it, the Sears stuff and all, and all those rebrands, which are basically the exact same thing as the Japanese stuff, just sure. with a, an American name. And it, it even goes a step further because, like, it, that's why the the um, the American Pentax cameras they usually say Honeywell Pentax right. on them. Yeah, and even some of the Canons say Honeywell Canon, I think, or something like that, right? Um, because Honeywell was the importer who brought all that stuff in. Mm-hmm. Right. So they had it was like being co-branded by the U.S. importer. So, yeah, it's all all this stuff had to do with the way things were imported. And I mean, you know, it was a different world. I mean, you couldn't buy an airline ticket without going to a travel agent in the 60s. You know what I mean? It's like it, everything just worked differently. And that was part of how this stuff worked commercially in the U.S. is, you know, there was a system of uh, importers and dealers. So 
I'm sure that the importer said, you can't call it, you know, Tokyo Kokaku. That doesn't make any sense. What's a Kokaku? You know, so it's, you know, (laughs) there's too many consonants in that. They're going to think it's from Poland or something, you know, so you, you rename it to anglicize it basically. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. It's Coke amazing they didn't. Oh, it's it's got to be. It's got to be like Coke <laughs> or Pepsi. <laughs> it's amazing they didn't rebrand Takumar. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is kind of. But I think you know. I think by that, by that, I guess by that time, or I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that wasn't as considered as much of a a difficulty because it was still a somewhat pronounceable, <laughs> pronounceable <laughs> name. If it had been. Taisi something or other, then they probably would have given him a bunch of crap about it. Yeah, but it was it's, it was just written in small letters on the lens, and nobody looked at that anyway, did they? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I was trying to imagine, you know, some camera dealer in Omaha trying to pronounce some of those names <laughs> in a very flat Midwestern accent. Just that's just not going to happen. So you know, there, there's one other thing about old marketing. Um, because, you know, every time I, I get a new toy, right, I like to look at the brochure uh, if I can find it, especially the ones in, like, uh, the UK and the US. And, 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 and one thing that really strikes me about these old brochures is they describe lenses in such, like, wonderfully technical terms yeah. um, that we know today. It'll say, like, I was looking at a brochure of old um, Cook Speed Pancros today, and they were like, oh, you know, they're corrected for spherical aberration and... And, and astigmatism and all this kind of stuff. Oh man, our, our lens ads for modern Holy stuff today. Cow, it does astigmatism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wonder whether that actually swayed people. I mean, I guess photographers at the time it wasn't such a ubiquitous thing um, yeah. for everyone to have a camera. But I wonder how many people actually looked at one of these brochures and they were like, seven elements, like symmetrical design with corrected spherical aberrations. Oh my God, I'm totally going to buy that. You know, I, here's a, here's a weird thing though. I would actually make, I, I think you can make an argument that it was actually, what was the word you used? Um, that the market was actually per capita way bigger in the, in the 50s, 60s, 70s than it is now for, for photo stuff. I mean, obviously we're just, just take digital out of the equation completely, but, but people had, fewer avenues to buy things, fewer sources of information. Right. Um, uh, the, the cameras, you know, adjusted for inflation were actually sort of insanely expensive. If you consider what the average annual income was for people at the time, I mean, to spend $4,000 on a camera when you were making $12,000 a year, that's, that's cuckoo balls, you know? So I think that the, the advertising was a huge part of it, um, which is kind of gives me a chuckle. Uh, you know, you would think some of the cameras now looking at back, I mean, not to, you know, beat up too much on Cheyenne here, but we will. Um, <laughs> the, the, the little Topcon four by four, you would think that that thing, you know, screwed Jesus and had a baby with it. I mean, it's just, it, it's like, it's going to walk on water and it's like, it's dudes, it's not that big a deal. None of that stuff is that big a deal. And, you know, and then they would justify it and then they would say, and, and it's $20 less, you know? So it's like the marketing hype machine was just in absolute overdrive. And uh-huh. I think people were much more marketing naive in 19. 19- 
60 than they are now. I mean, it's, you know, you think about how easy it is to see through marketing copy now. And I, I, I'm not sure that with so many fewer sources of information, theme, things seemed much more authoritative, right? When you had three TV channels in the US and they all had pretty much the same story about Vietnam, it pretty much seemed like that must be the truth, right? So I just, I think it's a difference of, a huge difference in, in time and era and how marketing spoke to us in those eras. But, but cameras were, you know, cameras were among the most high tech items that people could have bought with their disposable income. I mean, pretty much cameras, cars, and probably kitchen equipment, you know, um, as things started to get automated in the kitchen, big freaking deal, man, that was a huge deal. So cameras were like the cutting edge. I suppose they still are in a way, but you know, we have electronics and tech now, I think has kind of replaced that. Uh, but cameras were huge cutting edge tech and the, the, the market was both bigger and more competitive, I would say. So it all, it's all, it's all kind of perspective. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, uh, I think we've answered that one, Nigel. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> let's, um, let's, let's, we've slightly topped a turvy show uh, this week. Let's um, now head back to what we normally do uh, at the start of our shows and uh, head over to Hong Kong and uh, find out what, what Perry's bought this week. <laughs> <laughs> have I, have I bought any lenses? Yeah, I have. But, but we're not talking about that because I, <laughs> I haven't shot them yet. Um, I've been shooting a bunch. Um, the first thing actually that I want to talk about is uh, this, which Simon and I were discussing uh, beforehand. Because my my girlfriend and I we went out with two of uh, two of her friends um, for a photo walk on Saturday, and I decided to go and shoot with this Rollercord Five B or VB uh, Type Two or Type One. Mike Novak tells me it's a 1965. Um, it's been a while since I shot with this thing and it was every time I shot with this previously, it was just more of messing around uh, to play with this camera and see what it was like. But this was the first time I think that I took it properly street shooting. Uh, and I, I gotta say it was a revelation. Um, I only shot one roll, but it was so enjoyable and the results that I got, I'm so happy with them. Um, except for one, like, back focus issue in a lot of the frames which i took the camera to a technician today and he took one look at it and he was like dude your camera's not back focusing your focusing screen is in backwards <laughs> so, so he just popped it open and turned that around for me which was nice that's really uh, good news, yeah 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 because yeah. it, it, it wasn't it wasn't hitting infinity and then he just flipped it around and it's totally fine Actually, um, there's a there's a point uh, let's just i mean we've talked about this on the the large format photography podcast because i had exactly the same problem with a uh a graphx speed graphic um where the the folk the ground glass that you used to focus on was was turned the wrong way and um you were telling us earlier yeah. about this story and there's a mantra about which way around the uh, the mat goes isn't there yeah mat side down mat side down <laughs> that, that's, that's it. It's not the most sophisticated mantra, is it? <laughs> yeah, that's that's anyway, what he told me to memorize. <laughs> yeah. um, and and if you're not using a um, a TLR, uh, it's it's make sure that the the matte side of your focus screen goes. It's it's towards the inside of the camera, not towards you mm -hmm. as a user. It goes it goes towards the lens, 
um, that's the uh, that's the golden rule so if you're having, having trouble with focusing and you have a focus screen that uh, can be removed and, and and you don't really know which way to go uh, make sure that the matte side goes inside the camera that's really important yeah uh so i mean the, the the two things that really stood out with this camera as a street camera uh were number one you know we've talked about the waist level finder disarming people so i was able to get really close to people and they didn't really know that i was taking their photograph because i'm not looking at them um but number two the shutter is just so quiet because it's a leaf shutter that you can basically be a ninja and simon you and i both have you know the the annoying thing about the roller cord over the roller flex is the film advance and the shutter caulking are separate mechanisms uh, and then the shutter fires by moving the caulking lever in the other direction. But Simon, you and I both have the, uh, what I think is the essential shutter button accessory that screws into the cable release socket. It's not right? actually a knob, is it though? That's, that's, no, it's a button. Yeah, we don't say knob on the, this one, do we? Yeah, the, the, the normal one is a knob, what you would normally turn. So yeah. I think if you have a roller cord, um, I, I found it much more usable after I attached this little, I got it for five pounds locally, new in pack. Um, but this button is pretty essential, so it's, it's awesome. And um, Simon, have you shot with yours? Uh, I've shot with it twice in thirty years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As we established, but yet you've, you've have, you, you let you, yet you've kept it for thirty years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I bought it. Um, in fact, it's probably it's going to be a little bit over thirty years now. I think I bought it in about eighty-seven. Uh, I think it was, and I shot a roll at the time with it, and. I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't understand metering and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I then, it then got packed away and I got it out about 18 months ago. And I did talk about it on, a, on an earlier show. Um, and I just really enjoyed um, using it and it worked perfectly. Um, but it's 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 this thing. I mean, was, again, I was just chatting to uh, Perry earlier um, because I was saying, well, I've just got so many cameras and so little time. Whereas, whereas Perry he goes out and he takes photos regularly every week and so so therefore he, he can actually use numerous cameras and actually get some use out of numerous cameras i just i just don't have the opportunity to do that and and usually there's a there's another camera that i think of using before i pick up the roller cord the most of the time i've forgotten i've got it and but that the, yeah, the last time i used it i really enjoyed it and i think i just need to get myself a either my case repaired or a new case for it and uh and use it because just as as Perry was saying it's, it's just a it's a it's a lovely light and simple thing to use and i did talk uh, again last year i had the uh my four by four uh baby uh rolly flex <clears throat> which again i really enjoyed using that in fact actually i preferred using the uh the, the baby to to the roller cord again because of the um the integrated wind on um you know just it's it's a bit of a pain that the two things aren't on linked and that is really for me that's the biggest biggest single difference between a roller cord and a rolly flex because you know the 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 rolly cords have got great lenses on them um this one's yeah. uh, i've got a uh, schneider um xenar which is going to be a, a, a tessar which i don't mind in the slightest uh uh on this on this medium format camera it's a tessar 83.5 and i've shot it wide open and it, it's got that pop that you want because i think that's probably about 3.5 is a, is a is a nice focal length for getting a um a uh, top half of a person 
uh, and be mm-hmm. able to isolate them. Uh, it's, it's, it, it works really well. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I missed a couple of shots because I forgot to cock the shutter uh, after advancing as well. But otherwise, you know, the lens is great and it's a joy to use. Oh. So, so we've just taken a quick, uh, quick bathroom break, and when I when I got back uh, from emptying my bladder, Johnny and Simon were <laughs> Johnny and Simon were just all deep in some really disturbing conversation. Uh, so I don't I don't really know where we are with uh, with the role. I, I would just say that in this conversation, even Dame Judy Dench scored higher than Ivanka Trump. All right, I'm just gonna leave it there. <laughs> Even anyway, anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, Simon, Simon, on on the back of your roller cord, do you have a bunch of like diagrams of people at leisure? Uh, so I, I've I've still got Judy Dench in the cat's outfit and at the moment, so I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with that. Um, but yes, yes, I've <laughs> I, I do. Yeah. I think uh, are people. Oh no, they're playing football. I thought they were skating. Um, but yeah, yeah in, in July, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm gonna put my reading like, on Johnny, it. Johnny, can you see this? Uh, yeah, What's I think, that? well, I mean, they could they could be playing football or soccer on a on a uh, on, on a snow. lake. Yeah, I mean, it might be a oh, oh, yeah, lake, the, the, you're talking about the diagram on the thing. Yeah, 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 those are great. I love those diagrams. What, what is that? What I mean, I get this one on the bottom, which tells you kind of exposure compensation for a different. Lighting conditions, but what yeah. the hell is this? Here, back it up a little. Uh, it's it's time hey, for times of the year. It's is it? it's like so. Yeah. There's someone skiing. Yeah, there's people playing football. There's trees. There's people yeah. sitting under trees. There's two people about to kiss in the forest. That is a really poignant moment. I've, I've got to say. Yeah. There's people in a train station or something. There's some weird architecture with some dude standing on a pier. I don't know if that's a pier, but some someone is a, standing. I think it's an alleyway. Oh no, you could be. Yeah, I'm no okay. clue what that is. I'm, I'm looking to see if I can pull this up. So there is. There are two people. Playing oh, here with we a go. Yo-yo. I've got to say, I think, I, I've got to say, I think this is going to be one of our photos for for today's artwork. <laughs> sure. um, so we'll, I, we'll get a shot of this. I, I yeah. love. All right, so I so so here here's what I'll I, here's what I can share um, is there's a written version of this that does not rely on Teutonic pictograms of leisure activities <laughs> or imagined leisure activities, and the the if you if you read this. Uh, diagram written sort of in English with words it says exposure comma sunlight comma diagram so one of the one of the categories is seashore and high mountains the next is sports scenes bright streets squares landscape distant views then you've got landscape with foreground and street scenes groups in open air then you've got groups in shadow then you've got groups under bright trees and groups in interior light now below that, below that you also have uh, May, June, July, and August, and then below that you've got like the rest of the year, and if you're using a filter. So, it's, so I, um, I just sent you um, uh, in our chat a photograph of the thing we're looking at, so it's clearer than me using the webcam. But yeah. what you're describing corresponds pretty accurately with these diagrams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but how the hell do you interpret this? <laughs> <laughs> 
you're the maths guy. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> these, these are not like mathematical diagrams. It's like yeah, if, it, if each forest. one of these was a mathematical diagram, Perry would be all over it. So, well, so I was going to say, if I'm looking at these these squares in there, and I think there is a percentage difference in the sizes between them. <laughs> So, so wait, wait. So let's say I'm looking at this picture of the two people kissing in the forest, right? About to kiss in the forest or having an argument. How do I translate <laughs> that to an exposure? <laughs> well, it depends on the nature of the argument. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what kind of mood do you want to show it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. It's a it's a sliding scale, Perry. From from more exposure to less exposure. Oh, that makes sense because it's like snow on the left, right? Right. So and the brightest, the right. yeah. So your brightest, brightest uh, scenes. That's why there's a little, there's a little sunshine in the upper right-hand corner, right? Oh, so there is. Yeah, but this, this okay. So we we've got oh, it's ASA, um, so film film speed uh, between mm -hmm. twelve and uh, going up to one hundred. And and you can say, well, yeah, okay, different different lights, uh, conditions, but there's there's nothing there to actually indicate anything. Say about shutter speed, it's as if like, well, you need to swap the film out to put this. No, because no, you're, but there's it, there's EV. Yeah, it's well, it's EV, and it's it's assuming basically sunny sixteen. It's uh, assuming that you're using probably ISO you know, 100 film at whatever, whatever, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's a more complicated, it's, oh, come well it's the fucking gotcha. Germans wrote it. Of course yeah. it looks overly complicated. Yeah. We've uh, Perry and I have discovered the same thing at the same yeah. time. I think here, yeah, <laughs> there, there is a, there's a dial, uh, on the, uh, on yes, the right there's an side EV the dial on the right. right. Uh, so at 15, which is on the side of bright snow, uh, at ISO 100, the camera is giving me F twenty two, right? And and, and yeah, and late, later versions of the back of that on the on the Roloflex had no pictograms, no nothing. It, it was a pure EV scale. It just had the EV numbers. So it was. It, it's basically the, the, It's a hybrid between an EV scale and a vernacular exposure scale that you know Kodak started printing those in eight, you know eighteen ninety nine or whatever. So, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's giving me f sixteen one over one twenty five for ISO one hundred in bright snow. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's it just a light meter. Yeah, just see if the people are arguing and then adjust it. <laughs> wow, that's that's actually that's actually way cooler than I, I thought. I, I I've been staring at this for a while, being like, what the hell is this? Why are you showing me all these different scenarios and how do you make it correspond? That's cool. All right. So there's there's a roller cord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you realize that Mike Novak is throwing things at the radio or his <laughs> listening device yet again. Yet again. Another podcast with projectiles flying through Mike Novak's living space. Oh, we're, not, we're, we're not doing math this time, so it's okay. <laughs> and you managed to avoid giving me gas for a 2.8 roll of flex. Did, I did or he did? You, you, oh, you I did? Oh, okay. Yeah, because I asked you before the show, don't give me gas for a 2.8 roll of flex, even though, I, even though I want one now. Because <laughs> I don't know the difference between any of them, so that's what's stopping me from buying one. Right. I don't know the difference between like an A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Um, so, Mike, you can stop throwing things now. <laughs> uh, 
Why do people complain about the focus dial being on the left, by the way? Because that seems really intuitive to me. Because you use your left hand to focus on like any other camera. I do people complain about that? Yeah, I've heard people complain about that. I yeah. I suppose people complain about everything, but yeah. Well, I think okay. it, I think it changed with didn't I think we were talking again something we were talking about earlier. I think with the earlier Rolly cords had the focus dial on the right hand side and then when I mean I've got a I forgot which one I had actually now. Um the next to last one uh, that came out. Um they moved it to the left hand side I think. Um and the, and the, and they they stuck with that and I think that confused people. A bit like me with Nikon and Pentox lenses and I I, I yeah, mm. focusing the wrong way. Maybe. Yeah, no that that yeah, that makes sense. Um when people get used to stuff they complain. You know, on this on this photo walk that I was out with this uh, roller cord, there were two random dudes who um, we bumped into. One, I was just walking down the street with this roller cord open, and this guy just casually walks past me and in Chinese turns to me and goes, "Watch out for light leaks!" <laughs> and like just walks away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great! But I don't wow. think that can happen, right? Because I had the finder open in like really bright sunlight, but there's no opening between the finder and the 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 viewing lens and the taking lens right no man i mean i I, no maybe maybe he was i don't know maybe just just well it's just making a a general point isn't it yeah perhaps yeah that's prone for light leaks if the if the seals aren't do they even have seals no they just it's a metal seal but it was super bright sunlight and i was walking around with this thing like open and ready to go in super direct light so maybe he was just like Watch out for light leaks. <laughs> or maybe it was just a general photography about a general film photography comment. <laughs> Meaning you're using you're using an old ass film camera. It's not like you get light leaks on digital cameras unless something really strange has happened. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, he was trying to be a friend. Exactly. He was trying well, to be a dick. No, he didn't even stop. He just walked past me and <laughs> Oh, he's totally he trying to be a dick then. Watch yeah. out for light leaks, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and, and then a little bit later on, when we were um, we're standing on this footbridge uh, after we went indoors, and my girlfriend was photographing this dude walking past some like light coming in from the window, and he, after she photographs him, he like walks past us, and we're both she's carrying a Bessa R, and I'm carrying a roller cord. He turns around and he's like, "Oh, hey guys, you're shooting film. Uh, I got a question for you." And he pulls a Noctilux out of his bag. <laughs> And he's like, do you guys know anywhere? Hong Kong. Yeah, he's like, do you guys know anywhere I can get this serviced? Because like, I dented the mount, and uh, I don't know where to take it to get it fixed. And I was like, yeah, yeah, let me give you like three phone numbers of people you can contact. Oh my god! So he took down contact details of three Leica techs uh, who I trust here in Hong Kong, and then just was on his way. Um, and that was just hilarious because this was just a dude that my girlfriend was photographing, uh, and. <laughs> he's like, who just buzzes? He just pulls a Noctilux out of their bag. Hey, random question about this thing I'm carrying around. <laughs> <laughs> one would think if one had bought a Noctilux, they would be familiar with Leica's dealer no, network. I, no, 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 because I bet, I bet that he he was thinking he was thinking of taking it to the the big like commercial camera malls that have some secondhand shops or to the Leica dealers. Yeah, but both of them are really bad places to take them for a service. Yeah. For, the, for the technicians, you really do have to know the local guys because they're like old Chinese men, right? They don't really know. They're not yeah. really good at like, internet marketing. 
Um, and but they'll do a way better job than like any like a tech will. Yeah, that makes sense. It does. Yeah. So uh, there's there's that. That was a good photo walk. And I just realized today before we recorded that Bay One, Bay Two, and Bay Three stands for bayonet. Yes, it I does. Was, it, it always evoked like Otis Redding or Old Bay seasoning when I. Old Bay. Old Bay One. I've got to admit, I didn't know that. That makes a lot and what, of sense. What about Bay 50 on uh, the Hasselblad and Bay 63? Well, and all like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's all it's all all making sense now. Like so many so many things today are making sense. Um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Apart from Judy Dench, and uh, uh, I, I stand I stand by that one. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. So um, apart from the oh, sorry, Simon, were you going to jump in there? No, 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 no. Uh, I mean the the one other thing I guess apart from the roller cord um, that I that I got to talk about is. Last week, my girlfriend and I were out shooting, and I almost got into a fight with a construction worker. And I, I have oh, told you guys yeah. this story, uh, <laughs> and I figured I would share it because, you know, you do often get this question about street photography and confrontations and stuff, and, and it's not uncommon in Hong Kong. Um, so we were we were shooting at this place called Kai Tak, which is the old airport, and it's now a cruise terminal. And there's a bunch of construction going on because it's not um, it's not currently being used because you know cruise ships are like death capsules. <laughs> beyond <laughs> so we're, we're there shooting some pretty interesting architecture and towards the end of it uh we were underneath like this overpass in a car park so she's on one side shooting and i was on the other side shooting um out of sight and a bunch of the construction workers were walking toward the bus stop after work and and i i hear kind of yelling in the background but i i just assumed it was construction workers yelling at each other as they do and then I heard, because my Chinese is not very good, and then I heard this guy yell the phrase, like, taking photographs. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, I know what's going on now. So I went around, and he's, like, basically yelling at my girlfriend. Well, he, he walked into her frame, and she was, you know, waiting for him to, like, I don't know, pass somewhere so his silhouette would be cool. And he, I, he heard the shutter go off. And so he's still, like, yelling at my girlfriend for, like, why are you taking my photo, blah, 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 blah. And so I just yelled at him in really crappy Chinese. And my, the way my girlfriend recounted the experience from her point of view, she was like, and then I heard this really broken Cantonese in the background. Uh, <laughs> so I started, I started yelling at him in Cantonese. I'm like, yo, what, what the hell are you doing, man? And he starts coming over and, like, you know, pleading, not pleading his case, but, like, screaming and stuff. And we start cussing each other out. And he, he takes off his mask and starts swearing at me. And I tell him, like, I basically tell him to go f*** himself. Um, <laughs> and, you know, there's a, there's a moment when these situations happen where you got to size these people up and figure, like, are you actually a threat or are you just a chihuahua? And he was, like, just a chihuahua yapping there because the dude is about half my size. And every, every time he was, like, cussing me out and approaching me, he never got within arm shot. So I just kind of stood there and stared him down and told him to piss off. Um, and after this, a while, I was going to say this. This is despite your girlfriend once once uh, telling the world that you have the most punchable face in the world. <laughs> <laughs> what that that was in context of of the police. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, this, this is quite different. Uh, so yeah, this this dude he starts walking away after I, I like square up to him and tell him to go, and um, he resisted the urge. 
And and then you know he walks like ten minute ten meters away, and he turns around and just he whips out his phone and decides to start taking pictures of us. We're like, is this like some form of retaliation? <laughs> like, okay, um, that was yeah, that was unpleasant, but also so, <laughs> sorry. Go on. No, I was gonna say this is like <clears throat> the Hong Kong photographic equivalent of like a Karen moment <laughs> in the U.S. Your Hong Kong Karen got all upset that you were taking a picture and got all in your face. I guess so. I, I see it more as the kind of New York of equivalent of like, hey, I'm walking here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, it. it this, those situations are, I, I was asking Mike Epstein if it ever happened to him. Uh, and he says, yes, it happens every single time he goes and shoots Vishal uh, <laughs> from camera film photo in a place called Shamshui Po. So that made me feel better. Uh, we've both been attacked by old ladies, apparently. So this, <laughs> they're the scary ones. They're the ones that actually come after you. I, I got yeah, yeah. You know, you know, old lady came after you with a cleaver once. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hold on, I was, all right. I'm not going to photograph you. You have a cleaver. I'm out of here. <laughs> but this guy, no. Have you ever? Have you guys ever gotten into like borderline fights? Over people confronting you on street photography? No, but I don't do it. That's the thing. Because I don't I don't want to get into a borderline fight. I mean I've had I've had I've had moments, but I never I mean never anything severe. I mean the one that sticks out in my mind the most is uh back in like the late eighties, would have been right around nineteen ninety, I was out with a friend shooting at night and he took a photo of a city worker putting a Denver boot on someone's car, which is, you know, in a mobilization device. So you can't drive the car. And the guy, the guy basically said, give me that film, give me the film or I'm calling the police. And this guy was like, you know, had been on probation and stuff. So he's like, fine, take it. <laughs> but I mean, you know, other than, but that was for probably quasi the guy didn't want to be photographed because somebody would, find him and kick his ass kind of thing. Right. Um, I mean, I've had moments, but I, you know, God, I can count on half of one hand, the number of truly contentious moments like that I've had. It's, I usually just wave and keep walking or, you know, say have a nice day or something. And it, that usually is enough, but yeah, like 99% of the time, that's what happens, right? You wave, you smile and, they're either confused or don't care. Yeah. Um, but you know, the the recently it's been happening a little bit more to me, and it, it I think I have all this like pent up rage from just all the crap that's been going around on around Hong Kong. That yeah. depending on how the person reacts, like uh, sometimes my kind of Canadian instincts have been fading away. Because a lot of the times, if they're like, "Oh, I'm sorry," you know, "Were you photographing me?" I really don't want to be photographed. I'll just say, oh, I'll, "I'll apologize," and you know, not post the photo. But if they get confrontational and start saying BS, like I had this one woman, you know, I, I was shooting a picture of, of something totally unrelated and she's on the right hand side of my frame. I'm literally waiting for her to walk out of my frame so I can take the shot. And then she like hunts me down oh, like, yeah. meters away <laughs> and starts like lecturing me about how it's illegal to take people's photo without their permission. And that's like, that triggered me. Cause I'm like, no, it's not. Oh my God. And, and, she tried to lecture me for like a good few minutes on this. And I just turned to her and I'm like, lady, 
there's nothing about you that's interesting. Like there's nothing about you that makes me want to photograph you. What makes right. you right. leave me alone? Yeah, they're <laughs> harassing me now. Yeah, there, there's a um, at when I when I was at Central Camera, I would you know frequently walk out the front door and point a camera up 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 or down the street mm. um, to test out like the infinity focus. Like I would yeah. like um, you know you I would just I. I'd turn left, I'd turn right, I'd point the camera down the street because I'm looking for something far away, check, you know, whatever. And there's this one home, this one homeless dude who is super confrontational and he thinks he owns this little portion of the street. He's like, why are you pointing a camera at me? I'm like, I'm going to point a camera at you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care, could care less about you. But he, every once in a while, he would get really bent out of shape that uh, you had a camera pointed in his general direction. So it's just, it's just how some people are, you know? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so vent about that. Yeah. Um, Simon is probably a good reason for people not to do street photography. <laughs> 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 no, but, but I was going to say to Simon's defense, the, the worst trouble I ever had with call it street photography was, well, I technically part of the UK, uh, but was in Ireland and Northern Ireland. Um, like, yeah, I had a camera out at, you know, I can't walked around Derry with a camera and I thought I was going to get f- jumped around every corner because I got so many dirty looks. But I mean, then again, you have people who are used to being surveilled by the military and stuff. And then and then I went to uh, I went to uh, Giants Causeway and, you know, some woman basically just called me a pedo and. <laughs> And then I was in this little, I was in Donegal in the middle of nowhere at an old, you know, churchyard. And there was this school group who was, you know, they're visiting, learning about Irish culture, you know, on a field trip. Right. And this little fat kid is like, pedo, pedo, there's a weird mon over there. He's a pedo. Like yelling at me across. The, I mean, I got a picture of him pointing at me yelling pedo. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I I got the distinct impression that people in 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 the UK and in generally that part of the world are much more touchy about all of this. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've, I've I've had incidents like that when I've been just out taking pictures of wildlife and some kids over the other other side and the, of the wildlife pond. got pissed off yeah well no there's just like some some kids will be on the other the other side of the pond they'll be shouting pedo back to you it's hardly surprising i don't want to do street photography is it <laughs> oh my god that's hilarious uh it's <laughs> <laughs> it's yelling pedo in the uk <laughs> Did you guys watch Afterlife, the Ricky Gervais series? Yeah, I've not, I've not seen it yet. Oh my god, it's it's so good, and he's got a little bit about that in the in the show where he gets called out for being a pedo <laughs> by a fat kid in a schoolyard. <laughs> oh, that, his 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 interactions with that fat child are spectacular. Oh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have no, to post no spoilers. He, he basically are. says, "If I was a pedo, I wouldn't be after you, you fat little ginger." word for word (laughs) yeah that's a word for word literally (laughs) so speaking of pedos what's up in chicago johnny oh yeah you know 
Oh man. Um, <laughs> uh, so I actually, I did actually uh, get out of the house and shoot a little bit this week. Um, uh, in large part, thanks to Mr. Robbie J. Um, we, we had a little uh, socially distanced um, co-family photo outing uh, at Illinois Beach State Park, which is this pretty much what it sounds like. It's a state park with a beach in Illinois uh, on Lake Michigan. But it's, it's a really unusual landscape because it's, you know, it's like these sand dune area that have built up over thousands of years. So it's, a, it's an unusual sort of location and it very much feels like, you know, you're on the ocean or whatever. Um, so we, we did that on, uh, on Saturday and, um, I brought a couple of cameras. Robbie brought a couple of cameras. Robbie had, a uh, Mamiya, his Mamiya, uh, auto cord and he had, Oh crap. What was the other one? Perry, I told you about, he had his, um, Konica, uh, oh, yeah, Hex RRF. And I, I think I remember now he had the uh, 50 F2, um, uh, what you call it, uh, the lens that your girlfriend chose. Oh, the top core. Top core. He had the top uh, core on it. Yeah, I remembered. Um, and I had the same usual stuff I've been shooting for months, which is the, the Canon 4SB2 with the uh, 3.5 CM Elmar on it. And I also had um, my Petri Penta uh, SLR with the 40 millimeter Zenar on it. So I had two similar but very different, two similar focal lengths on very different cameras, basically. Uh, so that was cool. And I found my 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 other big news was my um, my filters arrived for the Elmar, which mm. takes these little tiny baby 19 millimeter screw in filters, yeah. um, which that lens having the, uh, aperture adjustment up front. Yeah. Um, unless you get the little filters that screw in right over the lens, you end up covering the entire front of the lens, which means you have to take the filter off to change the aperture, which that's no fun. Mm-hmm. So I got, um, the little 19 millimeter filters from uh, filterfine.net, which I talked about, I think, in uh, the group in a couple of chats. Uh, I'm going to just make a note to put that in the notes, filterfine.net. Um, so I got those, and I found I was rummaging around and because uh, I couldn't figure out how to get a filter on the uh, that Retina Zenar lens. Um, but right. it, it takes 29 and a half millimeter filters, super odd size. I definitely don't have any 29.5 filters, but what I did find in my bin full of, um, old series, uh, adapters, I did find a 29.5 millimeter adapter. So I was able to put series filters on that. So again, the genius of the series filter system, I found, the filter adapter and a lens hood. And I already had the filters. I already had all of it. I didn't have to buy anything. So it was great. So I just used the same filters I use for everything else on a different lens. Worked out great. Um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of my big news. Uh, I actually got out of the house and shot some pictures and got some filters on the cheap. Those filters are really handy. I made the mistake of getting the, uh, a 36, push on filter for the uh, 
uh, uh, Elmar as well, which, oh, you know, yeah. on the one hand, it's nice because it's black. So it, it yeah. means I can use that camera on black, uh, that lens on black cameras. Um, but yeah, you can't change the aperture. So I got a 19 millimeter Helia pan instead. And it really just, it makes that lens a lot more usable because you can change yeah. the aperture. Right. It, it's super nice. Like I, I can even, uh, I can change the aperture with the filter on and with the little clamp on hood on, which is not yeah. a very big space. Like your finger barely fits in there, but it, but it works. So I'm, I'm a happy camper now because, you know, we're in the middle of July going into August and, you know, you just, you really need with black and white, you really need to knock back the light. Um, and I, you know, I, I'd, I'd rather use a contrast filter anyway than just like a neutral density. So, um, so yeah, that was, that was super cool. I felt more comfortable. Uh, and now I, now I've got a red filter I can play with in like super, super bright light with that lens, which that could be interesting. I'm looking forward to that. So that's, that's my big news. Have you tried shooting that lens on color film yet? I have not, but I really want to. Uh, yeah. Robbie's, I think, already, I don't know if he's already started doing that or not, but he, he. Um, oh, I, no, I guess I can say this. His wife won't be hearing the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. He, had, he told the best story. I think I can tell this. I don't think he, I can't get him in trouble. I mean, she's yeah. not going yeah, yeah, to listen tell, to tell, tell the story. Yeah, well, all right. Well, first story was um, that when he got the 3.5 CM Elmar, I found it for him. We were talking about it because I had got one at a you know a really, really good price, which is the only reason I got it. Um, and then I found one listed online for like half of what I paid for mine, and I couldn't believe it. And I'm not going to say where I got it. Because it's like my secret source at this point. Um, and because another thing that I was almost going to get, because I was like, holy cow, I cannot believe this is so cheap. Because I sort of let, let it out of the bag about this place, I think, in a recommendation on a forum somewhere. Um, I'm pretty sure somebody went there and saw the thing I was going to get and they swiped it. So I'm a little heartbroken. Anyway, I'm not, not disclosing the source. Um, but I found a really nice copy of the 3.5 Elmar for Robbie. And then I also found him a lens hood on another, uh, another place. So he's got the hood on the way. Um, so I'm not sure if he's shooting that lens yet, but I know he, he's hot to try it with putting some color film through it, which I, I really would be excited to try it out with color film. Um, I mean, I haven't even developed my black and white film out of it yet, but yeah, that's you know that uncoated Elmar thing. I would love to try with uh, some color film. So there is since since both of you and I also have that lens. There is a um, an accessory which allows you to change the aperture. It's basically a thing that clips onto the aperture ring. Yeah, it's called like a I don't know like these stupid Leica acronyms. Yeah, it's called like a like a Visoon or like a Vidoon or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen a couple of those kicking around locally. Uh, I guess That'd that really, could wow. also be a solution because it works with the hood. Right. It's yeah. It's basically like an aperture lever built into the lens hood. That's, yes. Yeah. Those are pretty cool, but yeah, those are like super hen's teeth rare, and I would assume very expensive. Maybe not, yeah, that, but I would. I would assume so. They're like collector territory. 
Yeah, for something like that, I mean, it's a stupid price, but for a kind of random Leica thing, it's actually not that. Not yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be a good solution too, for sure. Um, and I think, uh, think, think that's think that's it, pretty much. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I'll, I'll keep my 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 bit short because we're we're running running out of time, but. Um, and I've not actually bought anything or even taken any photographs since the last show. But one, what has what has been interesting has happened uh, that I've been involved in, and that was uh, last week's or the current episode of the large format photography podcast, which I host with Andrew Bartram. Um, we had a, a guest uh, by the name of Guy Bellingham, and um, and he has got a, a setup that he's using to to great effect um where he's he's, he's taking he's using a, a, a sony a7r2 um and then he has a tilt shift adapter uh and a nikon mount um uh sigma i think it's a tw- i think it's a it's a 28 1.4 um it's a, it's a it's a very fast uh, wide angle not sure if it's 24 or 28 um on a on a shift uh, adapter not not tilt but shift and and what he's what he's actually doing is he's got these these photographs that he's taking with that lens is actually taking effectively photographs that are uh, at f um 0.6 in terms of its in terms of their depth of field um that's the the the, the calculation um and these aren't like brenners's uh, that we've been talking about this is a single image yet it's it's got a in, incredibly shallow depth of field and um what i was trying to explain this to to perry last week i, I don't know have, have you listened to the show yet perry i've got it lined up on my playlist okay. but i okay. haven't got to it yet i'm going to try and explain it better than i did when when i was tired <laughs> yeah because um, none of those explanations made sense yeah exactly and and so what what he what he has he has a, a setup with a four by five monorail camera that's four by five inches uh, being the, the film size um so he's got the the front of this uh, large format camera um and most of the front is taken up with a lens called a cook knuckler um the knuckler is um a, a nickname um but it's a cook lens so it's a it's a triplet uh lens it's for i think it's for i think it's for 10 by 8 i think the lens is for so it's and it's i think it's about 15 kilograms or some something like that so it's a very fast um large format lens but also with a, a particularly large image circle or a 10 by 8 image circle or 8 by 10 uh image circle um but he's actually shooting i think it was on i think it was 16 by 12 i think was uh, uh the size of the image that's actually being projected now normally that's projected onto film or paper for that matter photographic paper and then you get an image but instead of doing that it's the the image is um and it's usually a person um uh, a port- portrait shot and what's what's happening the the image is projected <clears throat> instead of onto the film plane uh, there's a, a white back in a box <coughs> excuse me and what's and what he's doing he has a camera um because he's made this box himself and there's bellows in front of the uh, between the box and the and and the camera the lens and it the um 
the the box itself has a hole in it um which he points his lens for a sony through in into the, the box pointing at the rear uh, of the camera where the image is proje being projected onto a, a light colored surface so it's a camera obscura is, is what we're what we're talking about here um and um so he's he's taking a photograph of what appears on the inside of this 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 box and he's using a very fast lens um because the image is relatively dim even though it's a very fast lens as cook um but the the images he's been getting from it are just extraordinary uh, because they 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 have a you know, large format lenses just by the very nature of being a longer focal length you end up with a a, uh, a shallower depth of field and i'm not going to go into equivalency arguments and things like that on this one it just does um <laughs> is the is the yeah is the te is the technical thing there um but he's having to use a a, a shift lens because he's trying to take a square photograph, but he's actually the camera's position is offset uh, because he can't he can't be straight on with the image because the image is coming through the lens and then being projected out. So if it was straight on, it would be have to project through the camera. Um, so he's having to so he's having to take the shot square on but offset um and which you can do that if you use a a shift lens because they you're effectively correcting the um. Uh, whether it be the vertical or the horizontal, I've not actually seen the the, the setup, um, but it's just a, a an absolutely re remarkable um, use of um, of old equipment, new equipment, old lenses, new lenses, and adapt adapted modern lenses all together, uh, producing these absolutely wonderful digital photographs. So, uh, if that sounds of interest to anybody, um, then it's the it's current show. I think it's episode thirty two of the large format photography podcast it's fascinating there's also it goes off into other areas of conversation because uh guy is a uh, circus performer and it, goes, <laughs> it really goes everywhere it really does it's uh, one of the most surprising conversations we've had so um, um if that sounds interesting head over to the large format photography podcast episode 32 with guy bellingham awesome that is the kind of crazy mad scientist stuff that is that, that we definitely love it's insane. Oh, yes. Uh, well, and, and just on the subject of mad, madness and mad scientists and things, I mean, uh, these photographs uh, that he's taken, he's um, using uh, 1930s, 1940s lighting, uh, Fresnel lighting, uh, which is a focused light, uh, like they would use in like, the Hollywood photographs of, of, of the day. Um, and But he, he, they're still relatively longish exposures um, because... Yeah, I say the the projected image is relatively dim, so you have to bump the ISO up and all this kind of stuff. Um, but he, to to get people to to be still enough, like just like the wet plate photographers, he, he, he's built a like a neck brace for his uh, his his models to actually um, rest their neck against, and he's like made this out of a out of a I think it was a symbol kit and a drum from a drum from a drum stand and things like wow. that. So uh, it's it's just. Yeah, this, this, the, the whole setup has just been like nailed together, and it produces amazing uh, results. So, uh, so that's that's my uh, that's that's my big thing this week, and it's effectively my shout out as well. So, uh, so there we go. Very good. That's cool. Also, well, Simon, your your bokeh balls are very round today. They are. They are. But it's, I'm still I'm still stopped down as well. So uh, uh, many, many blades. 
it's uh, it has many many blades um i can't quite count them at the moment i'm guessing about maybe nine or twelve something like that <laughs> not, the, not, the, not the not anybody can actually see this of course uh, but they, they, there you go <laughs> thanks thanks to the wonders of stuff that you can't see there um and you already know it's the same lens as like as last time that you guessed mm. it at anyway so uh i'm using as my webcam today i'm using a uh carl zeiss opton sonar uh 50 millimeter 1.5 um which is you know, a damn good webcam <laughs> um Okay, um, we're going to have to bring things um, to an end. We've already done the emails. Um, need to thank uh, those people that donated to us uh, in the past seven days. And I think I might have actually read this out on air last time, but Christopher J. May, um, I think that actually came in while we were actually recording last week's show. So thank you, Christopher. Um, Nigel Cliff. Uh, on the 14th of July, uh, says uh, one show cancelled because Johnny wasn't well, another uh, because Simon wasn't well. Uh, I hope Perry is eating all of his Weetabix. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, stay, stay well, Perry. Um, then uh, Tim Bean, uh, Tip Tim Bean, uh, Tim B uh, has donated to us. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Tim. Um, and then Robert Danny, um, and he says, uh, uh, here's one for the wonderful peeps of the classic lens. Uh, wonderful peeps at classic lenses, mathematics and other sciencey sciencey shizzle, oh, sciencey shizzle podcast. Greatness again. So, so somebody actually thought that that was good. Um. <laughs> I think he, I think he's in Hong Kong. All right. Okay. Okay. Um, so uh, thank th th thank you, Robert. Um, okay. Any shout outs, Perry? Uh, just a quick shout out to my girlfriend for shooting with me, uh, for the last couple weeks for almost getting me beaten up by a construct, no, for, for getting into a little fight with a construction worker. <laughs> um, and also just for this woman's extraordinary taste in lenses, uh, cause she decided that she wanted to try a 50 millimeter on the Bessa in addition to hogging my UC Hexanon, uh, for, you know, for ages and, I did the same thing and I lined up like all of my 50 millimeter LTM lenses of which there are many, many, many. The one that I knew that she was going to pick, I put it at the end, uh, but <laughs> no, she, she went through all of them and it wasn't until the very, very end. She got to the top core S uh, five centimeter F2, which is my favorite one as Johnny already alluded to. And she was like, yep, this is the one. And uh, so next time she goes shooting with a 50, that's going to be the one. She's you, you know, there's a bit of a pattern for me here, because you've, t you've told similar things like this before and mm -hmm. and she always picks the last one <laughs> thought about mixing it up a little bit it, next yeah time. <laughs> but but, but I, the reason i put it last is because i want her to pick one of the ones before but she always know, found something she, to complain about that's the point she knows she understands yeah. you. <laughs> whatever so like, goes like, last is the best i'll wait yeah. i'll go through them all pretend that i'm actually know what i'm looking at and then this is good and this is not or whatever but i'll no, just take the last one no no she knows what she's talking about i, I gave her a jupiter 8 first she just held it and she's like what, what is this thing it's like a toy that's because no. you gave it to her first. <laughs> I think it's because it feels like right. a toy. <laughs> the, the LTM one's like almost plastic, right? Mi uh, and then when she got mix, the two mix point... It up, mix it up next time. Let's just see yeah. what happens. Okay. Okay. We'll do that when she wants like a 90 millimeter lens or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. Okay. Uh, Johnny, any, any shout outs? Um, uh, 
No, I'm just I'm still waiting to see the uh, photo of the Bokake cap in the wild out there. And which which aisle was he on? Isle of White. Well, Isle of White. Thank you. So I want Bokake cap in the wild in the Channel Islands. I would still like to see that. So we're oh, waiting. Yeah. It's it's not 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 the, not the Channel Isles. Uh, oh, is that a different? No, no. Are those different? Yeah, they they very they like next to France. They are. Um, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, Isle of Wight's just off the south coast, um, Southampton area. That kind oh, of, I see. Uh, okay, right. Okay, yeah. I thought they were all in one spot, more or less. No, we have we have we have several islands. You have lots of islands all over the place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, um, and uh, I haven't got a shout out now. So let's uh, let's close things off um perry outside of this podcast how can people keep up with the things that you do you can find me on Flickr and instagram at perry g and johnny uh uh-uh. no 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 we can't sorry it's it's just it's just here and also in our facebook group as well yeah in the facebook group it, yeah and yeah. um and on the subject of, of, of that, I've been in conversation with uh, with uh, Barry Carr and uh, oh, was it Richard or Robert last week uh, with the uh, mm. um, Supreme Court judge for the Winnebago? Um, been chatting with them in um, oh, what's that place? That Sunny Sixteen Discord. Thingy. Discord, yeah, that uh, that server in there. So um, a few people have actually joined as a, as a result of the conversation last week. So uh, if you want to cool. join in and uh, get a critical mass, um, we'll come over to Discord. Johnny and Perry haven't bothered, but uh, who knows? <laughs> um, so I think the best way to do it is uh, Google um, Sunday Sixteen Podcast and Discord, and I think that that way you'll find it a link uh, that can get you get you in there and uh, just say hello in the introduction page and uh, well we just take it from there i'm still trying to find my feet in there to be honest um but there's there's also talk of uh, other um social media um platforms uh, because some people are, are absolutely anti-facebook with good reason um and is it, is it diaspora um that's a that's another thing that's out there so yeah we're look, looking into into different things they're not promising anything but uh well facebook works very very well for us at this moment but they're evil um so you know i don't know where <laughs> we go with that yeah no no disagreement there yeah. um okay so if anybody wants to write into the show what was what's the best way to do that uh classic lenses podcast at gmail.com is the best way to do that and we will read them as we have proven here today yes yes yeah and uh be sure to check out that podcast with all the notes etc that no one reads at classic lenses podcast.com uh what else instagram best vintage lens um where you're also getting show notes there again now so Check that yes. out. Yes, Mike, Mike Novak is uh, doing the Novak a, a doing the show photos. notes. Yeah, yes, yes. yeah. If you missed anything, it's there. Yeah, can't wait to see what's going to happen from the past two weeks here. Um, uh, what else? Do we have any other shouty shouty YouTube. stuff? All oh, right, YouTube. Uh, look up Classic Lenses Podcast on the YouTubes. Yeah, not that you can see us, of course. No, no, no. Yeah, we, we're waiting for Perry to pick up the mantle of taking over video production, but he's <laughs> he's, uh, he's manfully refusing so far. No, I I can enslave I can enslave my brother, but I'm not going to do it. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't count. It's got to be you. So, uh, 
So who knows? One one day. I mean, if if people enough people email into the show and say that Perry should start doing the uh, video editing, then I'm sure he will, and they'd be happy to. Um, but yeah. who knows? Who knows? Um, okay. Uh, and so yeah, I think we're done. Um, myself, my links. Uh, I'm. I have an eBay shop. Um, and uh, I think if you search for it's fuzzy, but more to the point, the easiest way to find my shop is if you do a search for, I don't know, uh, DKL lens cap. Body <laughs> cap or something, something like that. that's, that's probably the easiest way to way, way to find me. Um, actually, yeah, DKL lens cap. There's actually more than one, um, so I have competition on that. Um, so don't don't search that one. Um, do I don't know, I know contacts uh, Yashika. Not contacts with you. Contacts Kiev lens cap because uh, I'm it. Um, I'm the only person doing them, I think. Um, so you can find it that way. I also have a website uh, which is a lot easier to find because that's Simon Forster Photographic. That's www.simonforsterphotographic.co.uk. Um, when else I'm on Twitter as Simon Four. I'm on Instagram as Simon Forster Photographic. And I think that's just about it. Um, our music is by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Uh, it's called Octo Blues, and I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. And I've got more. How do I end this show? I, 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 I do this without notes, and you, so uh, I've, I've I've forgotten already. So uh, be like Carl. That's the one. So I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you can, that's that's the bit I couldn't remember. If you can, be like Carl. I thought the new sign-off was, I wouldn't. <laughs> never, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs>